Well, good morning, saints. Morning, sinners. Well, last week we said that for you to um, see the bulletin, you needed to bring your iPhone. Well, I learned quickly that my iPhone is, is all well and good, but I had to go up to an iPad to see it better. So if you can, you won't bring your iPads for the bulletin. It makes it just like paper, I swear. But anyway, I, I tell you, thank you for y'all's uh, patience with us as we're transitioning to these things. This morning, we are going to pick up right where we left off last week. We're going to pick up in our scripture right back where, with Paul in the church in Philippi. Um, Paul, if you'll remember, has just implored the church to uh, live lives worthy of a, of a manner that reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he, he says the way we do this, we learned last week, is that when we live in unity with each other in the community, then we are demonstrating that we're living this life in a manner worthy of the gospel. Well, today Paul picks up, and today Paul gives us the key to unlock this ability to have unity with each other. And I want you to see if you can hear and discover what the key is that Paul is talking about. I'm reading today from Philippians chapter 2, and I'll be reading from verses 1 through 11. You can either hit the, the uh, hyperlink there in your phone. It'll take you right to it. Listen to the word of the Lord. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And it's at this point Paul begins to quote an old Christian hymn, who, Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted and given him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father and all of God's people said, 
Amen indeed. Amen indeed. Friends, for the last six months, our nation and indeed the world has gone through the throes of this trying pandemic. The virus has totally changed what quote-unquote normal means and what all those things that we took for granted. I mean, they've become scarce. They have changed. I mean, really, who would have thought that in a pandemic you would have shortages like a hurricane in the grocery stores? I mean, seriously, think about that. If you go, who would have imagined people would be hoarding toilet paper? Baby wipes. Disinfectants. The little things, isopril alcohol to make hand sanitizer at home. Who would have thought our normal has been rearranged? People have broken out with fistfights at Costco over the last six-pack of the jumbo-sized paper towels, folks. The empty shelves were not there because of just our hoarding. The empty shelves are also a result of production disruption, transportation disruption, affected food supplies. Friends, when all this began to happen, did you, did you notice a subtle change in people? Did you notice a little subtle change in people? The emptier the shelves became, the grumpier people got. Did you notice that? The grumpier people got. Soon there began to uh, have this new display of unhealthy behaviors from certain people in response to the lockdown and having to adopt new ways of living together like washing your hands all the time, sitting outside to eat, wearing masks. You know what I mean. You've seen who I'm talking about. I did not name them this. This is what the, the, the Internet has named them, but they are named and they're called Karen and Kevins. You ever heard of that term? Now, I, I know a lot of Karens, and they are sweet people, so I don't know why they use this name. I'm looking at Karen Owen and thinking of that right now. This does not apply to you. <laughs> but I mean, if you, you know, if they, they've applied this term to describe on social media a person's behavior when they try to act so full of themselves that they do not show any regard for other people's feelings or safety. All the empty shelves and lockdown orders have created a subset of behaviors among some people who act as though they are self-entitled to anything they want or care to do. Emotional filters have been totally stripped from these Kevins and Karens. Emotional filters that are usually there to help out the mental governor that filters out verbal flatulence or gives pause to someone doing something they really shouldn't do. They've collapsed. This season of empty seats and shelves is a warning to us, my beloved, that if we're not careful, we will carefully go, we will quickly go into the direction of empty, not shelves, but selves. We will become hollow and barren. 
And there's a good way to become hollow or barren. And there's a biblical way to be hollow so we can become filled. My friends, we have, as a culture, experienced financial emptiness from lost work and income. We've experienced a loss in, in the desire of our wanting to be with others in community because we've been isolated from each other for so darn long. Our everyday routines have been upended and we miss the touch. It is so hard for me to stand here back and away from you because I want to come up and hug every one of you. But I've had to learn this type of change. We've experienced spiritual emptiness over the last several months as our long-held traditions have had to adapt and change. We have been separated from others in our worship, choir, our studies. And in our own spiritual fatigue, we look heavenward and ask, Lord God, are you there? You seeing any of this? My friends, our nation has experienced a loss as well. A loss of civitas. And gained a sense of disunity among her people. All this loss thrown at us and the world has caused many folks to come to me and say, Patrick, we, are we in the time of revelation? Are we in the time of the apocalypse? I mean, 2020 just keeps getting sweeter, doesn't it? And my answer is, no, I don't think we are. I think God is not done with humanity yet in the creation yet. But I leave that to God. But I do believe we are in a season of a lowercase a apocalypse. A little a apocalypse. Not the big a apocalypse. The little a apocalypse. And what that simply means is a little a apocalypse are those cycles through history where politics Economics, civics, technology, medicine, spirituality, religion, environment, they all go uh, through an upheaval and change. And these little apocalypses, these little A ones, force you and me and the world to figure out how are we going to relate to it? How are we going to respond and interact with that change? For Christians, we must, my friends, resist the temptation to view apocalyptic times as moments where we stop living and start waiting on God's glory bus to come pick us up. Friends, no. These whirly, swirly times are the sounding bell for Christ followers to put on their muck boots and get to work. Christians are made for times like these apocalyptic moments that we're in now. Because we are the ones, church, that God calls to venture out into the world's storminess, 
and demonstrate to others what it means to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, it's up to you and to me to show the world there is a different way. Amen. The Apostle Paul reminds us that in order for the church, that is you and me, to show the world there's a different way, it's not about making judgmental pronouncements on people. No, the Apostle tells us in verse 5 that we are to have the same mind in ourselves, both individually as a church as Jesus has in himself. Our text's beautiful hymn today that Paul is sharing in verse 5. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself. He became empty in order to be filled. The man Jesus made the decision to empty himself of all rights and privileges of being God in order to be the pioneer showing you and me, showing the world what it means to demonstrate and live into the good news life. And friends, did you catch the key that makes that possible? You getting it? It's humility. The key is humility. My friends, it's important to be reminded in the ancient Greco-Roman world, humility was not seen as a virtue. Humility was not seen as a virtue. Rather, humility was perceived and seen as a weakness, as a state of being poor and destitute. Professor Elizabeth Bounds writes concerning the first century's understanding of this. She says, in societies organized by fixed structures of status, those with power could and should have pride, while those without power had to settle for humility. She goes on to say, Paul's championing of humility, his insistence on regarding others better than ourselves, was a countercultural move, echoing Jesus' words in Matthew that the first will be last and the last will be first. Whoa, pride. Just like today is seen as a virtue. Humility as a weakness and a matter of life circumstances. So Jesus and Matthew and Paul in our text, to, our, in our text today are saying that in order to show the inbreaking of the reign of God in the world today, Christians, the church, we are going to be required to live, work, play in cultural, intentional cultural dissonance with the rest of the world. And how do we accomplish that? We accomplish this when the church and her members live humbly 
You know, our English word humble comes from the Latin root word we derive the word humus from, which means dirt, composted soil. To be a humble person means we have to empty ourselves of pride, of bitterness, of entitlement, and literally get down on the ground in the dirt. And it's only when we do that, my friends, that this humbleness enables us to serve God, to serve each other. This is what Jesus did in his life, and this is what Jesus and Paul are calling us to do in ours. Not just as individuals, but church, plural. All y'all. Friends, humility. Humility is the engine that drives love. Humility is the engine that drives love. Because without humility, we cannot love. Humility is such a countercultural idea in our nation today, my friends. Quite sadly, pride has replaced it as a virtue. And so this week, our homework, our homework is to look at spiritually emptying ourselves as Christ did in order that we may be filled, infilled with the presence of God. The words from 2 Chronicles chapter 7 jumped out at me as I wrote this text. It says, if my people, God is saying, if my people who were called by my name Humble themselves. Pray. Seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And heal their land. <sighs> oh, how our nation, our communities, our churches need to hear that. Beloved, remember, it's only when we empty ourselves that we can fill ourselves up with God's love and serve others. Jesus, he knew what he was talking about. And all of God's people said, amen. Pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, as we gather this day, Lord, we admit that we have replaced pride as the virtue instead of humility. Forgive us. Lord, we pray that you would enable us to learn what humility is and means. Let us empty ourselves in order to become full of you. So that through that feeling of love, we will serve others and not think twice about it. Holy Spirit, come. Your people cry. Amen.